0: chapter four part one of the spanish conquerors by irving burdine richmond this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter four cortez and mexico where dwell the gods where dwell the gods oh dwell they in the sky the gods are always nigh raymond the aztec god but what of the young nobleman valdivia o you wretched men of darien exclaims peter martyr tarry for valdivia whom you sent to provide to help your necessities provide for yourselves rather and trust not to them whose fortune ye know not juan de valdivia it will be remembered had in january fifteen hundred and twelve set out from santa maria of darien for española to solicit of don diego columbus a supply of food his return long looked for never came his ship was wrecked off jamaica and he was carried in an open boat with a few followers to the coast of yucatan here he was seized by the local. Cacique and with three others was sacrificed to the gods his heart being torn out and his flesh eaten some of the company were kept prisoners one by one they died till two only were left gonzalo guerrero a seaman and geronimo de aguilar a friar both of whom some eight years later were found as will be seen by cortez columbus never reached yucatan but on his first voyage he heard of the culture of a people called the mayas who wore clothes and dwelt on a mainland ten days journey in a canoe from Hispaniola. and on his fourth voyage he came on july thirtieth fifteen hundred and two into actual touch with this civilization near the island of Guanaya, off the coast of honduras here he encountered a monster canoe provided with an awning and laden with merchandise a canoe bearing a cacique clad in loincloth and mantle one furthermore which was being propelled by a band of twenty-five indians well clothed nor was columbus's acquaintance with the maya culture limited to the site of the canoe near cariari nicaragua he personally visited a mountain tomb as large as a house and elaborately sculptured where there stood or crouched as though peering within the corpse of a maya indian he saw also he tells us some large sheets of cotton cloth elaborately and cleverly worked and other sheets maya manuscripts very delicately painted as compared with the nahuas of mexico pre-aztec as well as aztec the mayas of yucatan were an ancient a peaceful and a polished race and like all races that have advanced as far as barbarism they were emphatically religious their most characteristic deity perhaps was Itzamna, god of the east or rising sun inventor of letters but there was another sun deity kukulkan the most active and eminent of the maya gods he was patron of arts and crafts inculcator of peace and withal deprecator of human sacrifices a god of order who having founded cities had departed into the sunrise whence he had promised to return at a future time war gods there were in the maya pantheon but war and religion despite some human sacrifices were not the intimate blend that they were in mexico if the death of valdivia and his three fellow-unfortunates upon a heathen altar may be regarded as demanding of heaven to be avenged vengeance nevertheless was somewhat delayed valdivia died in fifteen hundred and twelve up to that time but little had been done to subdue and occupy the antilles outside of espaniola in fifteen hundred and nine diego columbus had sent a governor to jamaica and in fifteen hundred eleven he had made diego velasquez governor of cuba a land which christopher columbus had never recognized as insular but which had been officially demonstrated so to be by a voyage of circumnavigation effected by sebastian de ocampo in fifteen hundred and eight velasquez was jocose and affable but at the same time acquisitive and envious to cuba he took with him or soon summoned to follow him francisco hernandez de cordoba juan de grijalva bartolome de la casas panfilo de Narvaez, and hernan cortez navarez did the work of pacification while velasquez founded trinidad puerto del principe matanza santo espiritu san salvador habana and santiago in fifteen hundred sixteen because of the continued famine in darien governor Pedrarius gave leave to his silken host as many as wished to go to cuba where provisions were not lacking and one hundred and ten went Velasquez met them cordially and promised them land if they would wait for vacancies but they were tired of a passive role and craved activity slave catching though contrary to law was at this time practiced in the island and it no doubt was with the profits from such an enterprise in view that the darian arrivals made ready an expedition which would serve as an outlet for their energies they chartered two vessels velasquez it is said contributing a third and on february eighth fifteen hundred and seventeen with hernandez de cordoba now a rich planter of santo espiritu as captain unfurled their sails from san cristobal the old habana whither should they fare their chief pilot counselled adventuring straight into the west into the region of the people who wore clothes the squadron about the first or second of march reached the island of las mugueras island of women and on the fourth landed at point catoche the extreme northeasterly limit of yucatan their next landing was at champoton in campeche where they tediously worked their way back to san cristobal by way of the peninsula of florida on this expedition the spaniards were roughly handled by the natives both cordoba and bernal diaz were wounded the former so severely that soon after reaching cuba he died but the invaders succeeded in bringing away two youths whom they named respectively Melchor and julian and to whom they taught spanish that they might serve as interpreters foiled as to slave-catching but curious regarding yucatan the cuban settlers by fifteen hundred and eighteen were ready for a second adventure into the west and this time it was Velasquez who took the lead he managed to add two vessels to two others left from the expedition of cordoba enlisted some two hundred and fifty men and appointed juan de grijalva commander-in-chief sail was made from santiago de cuba on the eighth of april with alaminos once more as chief pilot and on the third of may the fleet gained to the southward of point catoche a large island called cozumel island of swallows by the last of the month the expedition had passed lake terminos and by the eighteenth of june various rivers of tabasco such as rio de Grillalva and rio de banderas and various islands off mexico including san juan de Ulia and isla de sacrificios they made a landing where now stands the city of vera cruz griglava under the orders given him might trade in any regions discovered but he might not colonize and as the country everywhere by its aspect invited to colonization alvarado on the twenty fourth of june was permitted to sail for cuba to carry back the sick report progress and if possible obtain permission to form settlements meanwhile grill Lava followed the mexican coast as far north as cape royo whence returning to yucatan he sailed for cuba reaching mantanzas about the first of november on both the cordoba and grill yalva expeditions the spaniards were impressed by divers things but more than with anything else by the scenery the sacrificial mounds and the stone temples on every island and dotting the coast of the mainland were to be seen mounds pyramidal in form ascended by stone steps and surmounted by temple towers of squat masonry the towers gleamed white and over them floated the smoke of incense and of sacrifice at campeche cordoba saw many temples or prayer palaces wetted within with fresh blood from each there swarmed angrily forth half a score of priests armed with braziers and clad in white mantles down which fell their hair long black and dishevelled so matted and clotted with blood from their own ears lacerated in penance, that one strand could not be separated from another indeed the farther to the west the spaniards fared the closer their approach that is to say to the nahua tribes of mexico as distinguished from the maya of yucatan the more the evidences of human sacrifices multiplied why asked grijalva of a tabasco indian this ripping open of human bodies and offering of bloody hearts to hungry gods because was the reply the people of yulia by which was meant mexico will have it so when in november fifteen hundred and eighteen grillva reached cuba then called isla fernandina he found himself most undeservedly out of favor he was young handsome and chivalric but above all conscientious so conscientious that las casas tells us he would have made a good monk having been ordered not to plant colonies he had obeyed but obedience proved to be his undoing for angered by it his subordinates particularly alvarado whom he had reproved had misrepresented him to velasquez and already that grasping ruler had decided upon a new voyage in which Grayalva was not to share for this new voyage velasquez sought a commander of quite supermundane qualities one astute and valiant enough to achieve rare deeds and at the same time subservient enough to give all the honors and emoluments to velasquez the governor profiting by grijalva's labors had already on the thirteenth of november secured for himself the Andalante. of all that he had discovered in the west or might thereafter discover there and his solicitude to make just the right choice of a commander was intense then as not seldom in human affairs stepped in fate ironical mocking fate to diego Velazquez, tremulous with apprehension lest he choose wrongly for himself fate dictated the selection of Hernan. Cortes, it has been said that the rise of cortez was due to the third voyage of columbus and the statement is true in that his rise was part of the movement following upon columbus's pearl discoveries a movement which through nixuesa and oyeda begat balboa and through balboa begat pedrarias and through pedrarias those activities in cuba which resulted in the expeditions of cordoba and Grillava. apropos of columbus in this connection regret at times has found voice that it was not he who conquered mexico rather than Cortes. there it is said he would have found fulfillment of his dream of gold if not of spicery in measure far more complete than in asia and india for in the fifteenth century the cathay of marco polo as also polo's sepangu were vanished things but to each his task the mexican conquest called for traits at least one of which ruthlessness columbus did not possess it called that is to say for the traits which were peculiarly spanish and it called for all of them for ruthlessness for pride for devoutness and for romanticism these traits combined and coordinated in a unique manner belonged to cortez hernán cortez was born in medellín in estramadura in 1485 his parents were as who in those days in spain was not of noble descent though poor as he was delicate in health he was destined for the law at fourteen he entered the university of salamanca where he remained two years acquiring a smattering of latin and some ease in rhetoric on leaving the university he looked about him he might join the banner of the great captain cordoba as had been the frustrated purpose of so many of the followers of pedrarias or he might go to the indies the indies were his choice and thither in fifteen hundred and four he took passage this was the period just subsequent to the coming of nicolas de ovando to Espaniola as governor and Cortes, after some hesitation was induced by ovando to become a planter in fifteen hundred and ten he would have joined nicuesa on his Veragua, castillo del oro expedition but was prevented by an abscess under the right knee in fifteen hundred and eleven diego velasquez who admired his intelligence took him to cuba as business adviser or private secretary cortez was young and famed for his amorous gallantries according to reports not altogether illuminating his affairs in cuba involved him in discord with velasquez catalina suarez was the name of one of his enamoratas, and her he married by fifteen eighteen velasquez despite differences had appointed him alcalde at santiago de cuba cortez was now thirty-three he was of medium stature compact and muscular and had dark eyes good features a short beard and legs a trifle bowed outwardly he was frank and vivacious but inwardly he was calculating and self-contained since fifteen hundred and sixteen in espaniola diego columbus as admiral and governor had been under the supervisory authority of three monks known as the geronimite fathers who had been sent to the indies at the instance of las casas to temper somewhat with mercy the dealings of spaniards with the natives and it was necessary to obtain from them sanction for enterprises such as that for which velasquez had selected Cortes. Velasquez obtained the requisite sanction, and on the twenty third of October, before Grillva's own return from the West, he issued instructions authorizing, as in Grajalva's case, exploration, but not colonization. Cortez was now energy itself; he mortgaged his estate, he secured a large contribution from Velasquez he stuck a plume in his bonnet, he hoisted a banner he issued proclamations by these means and by enacting throughout a jovial role he gathered out of cuba and jamaica eleven vessels five hundred and eight soldiers and one hundred and nine seamen by february tenth fifteen hundred nineteen but there were difficulties and the gravest of these was a distrust of cortez which was more and more perceptibly defining itself in the mind of the governor like the chorus in the drama of antiquity the fool or jester of early modern drama performed a work of prognosis he forecast the issue such a fool de iago columbus had about him officially in the person of a sharp-witted dwarf named francisquilo this oracle unlike the fool in lear did not say openly to his master thou hadst little wit in thy bald crown when thou gavest thy golden one away but he said what was equivalent to it to velasquez as one day along with cortez he surveyed the harbor of santiago alive with the preparation of cortez's fleet Francisco, who was capering about exclaimed have a care diego diego lest this estramaduran captain of yours make off with the fleet herein it is said the distrust on the part of velasquez took its rise cortez did not slink from santiago with his ships in the night he left openly in the daytime after embracing the governor but he was nevertheless closely watched indeed velasquez's distrust of him continued to grow for he made frantic efforts to supersede him at trinidad and to stop him and apprehend him at san cristobal in his train cortez took a notable band of spanish gentlemen ten staunch captains each in command of a company with himself in command of the eleventh the arms carried were thirty-two cross-bows thirteen firelocks and an outfit of swords and spears the whole reinforced by artillery in the form of ten bronze guns breech loaders and four falconets but above and beyond all else were sixteen noble horses about which more anon the general rendezvous was cape san antonio the most westerly point of cuba whence on the eighteenth of february the expedition all save pedro de alvarado's ship which was driven aside by tempest set its prows for cozumel at this time there was no knowledge in the indies of the fate of the valdivia party but on the cordoba expedition indians of campeche had saluted the spaniards with the word castellan and this was deemed significant at any rate after much inquiry on the yucatan coast and much dispatching of messengers inland aguilar appeared though guerrero did not provided thus with a reliable interpreter for Melchor and julian had proved wanting and aguilar was willing Cortes, early in march set sail with his fleet for the country of the cacique tabasco the halting point of the spaniards was an island in the tabasco or grialva river but when they sought to establish themselves on the mainland christened by Cortes new spain they were vigorously withstood a fight took place on the twenty fifth of march and fortune was turned in favor of the spaniards and against overwhelming bodies of indians by the artillery and the horses in darien where the natives were lower in the scale of barbarism than in yucatan and mexico baboa had already won triumphs by the aid of powerful dogs but to the east of the gulf of uraba that region of the poisoned arrow dogs had not been found effective, and in yucatan and mexico where the missiles most in use were darts javelins sling stones and the obsidian edged sword club or maquahutul dogs save for hunting purposes were eschewed what in darien was accomplished by the dog was accomplished in the region farther west by the horse at tabasco or rather on the plain of cutla near by the horses supported by the cannon therefore won the day the indians who covered the whole plain who wore great feather crests and quilted cotton armor who carried drums and trumpets and rained upon their foe arrows javelins and stones were finally hemmed in between the spanish guns which plowed through their masses and the spanish horse who under cortez himself speared them down and so were brought to a stand in the eyes of the terrorized barbarians the guns with their thunder and lightning were a marvel but the horsemen were a greater marvel still for they were each a living monster horse and rider in the words of bernal diaz being all one animal it was at the close of this battle that the tabascans suing for peace brought to cortez twenty young women among them Doña marina as she came to be known a truly great chieftainess a daughter of caciques and a mistress of vassals marina was aztec but as a little girl had been given by her mother to the indians of tabasco in order to make way for the succession of a half-brother to the headship of her tribe cortez at first did not bestow upon her especial notice merely assigning her to a distinguished gentleman what made her fortune was her knowledge of both Nahua and maya speech combined with her intelligence the rescued aguilar who spoke the maya of yucatan and tabasco readily understood the maya of tabasco as spoken by marina so as it proved the chain of tongues indispensable to Cordes was complete marina translating aztec nahua into tabascan maya which aguilar in turn put into castilian spanish Cortes, who no less than columbus was devout spent palm sunday of the year fifteen hundred and nineteen at tabasco where a religious procession was held and mass was sung and where the indians were stoutly exhorted to give up their bloody sacrifices and idols the fleet then set sail and by holy thursday was at the island of san juan de julioa where the spaniards first came to a definite knowledge of the existence and importance of montezuma it is true that at tabasco Grillava had heard of a Calua or yulua where there was plenty of gold but in the words of the chronicler we did not know what this culia could be at san juan de yulia the fleet of cortez lay at anchor its fiery purpose clothed as some one has said in dissembling white hardly had it assumed its position when from two large canoes there ascended to the deck of the flagship a group of indians asking for tlatoan or chief they did him reverence but beyond this they were unable to make themselves understood thereupon marina who with other slave girls was standing by said to aguilar that the indians were mexicans sent by the cacique cuitlalpitac a servant of montezuma and that he wished to know whence the strangers had come and why so was begun a series of interchanges between cortez and the overlord of culua or mexico interchanges conducted on the part of the one with veiled though ever mounting audacity and on the part of the other with veiled though ever deepening apprehension for more than a fortnight cortez encouraged the coming of embassies for trade first came quitlalpitaq accompanied by his superior to lily and with them they brought cotton fabrics done in brilliant feather designs ten bales of them as also articles of wrought gold set with rare stones in return cortez gave a carved and inlaid armchair, some engraved stones a crimson cap beads and a gilt helmet which to lily had wondered at and was told to bring back filled with gold dust the spaniard asked also for a time and place to be fixed at which he might meet montezuma then in due season came a second embassy one headed by a cacique named quintalbor who in looks resembled cortez with quintalbor came tutelili and this time besides cotton fabrics embroidered in feathers and gold there were brought large plumes of bright colors spangled with gold and pearls great feather fans rods of gold like a magistrate's staff collars and necklaces with pendant golden bells headdresses of green quetzal feathers and gold or of feathers and silver miniature golden fish alligators ducks monkeys pumas and jaguars a graceful bow with 12 sharp arrows all these things to say naught of nahua books executed in picture writing upon cotton or bark nor yet were these things all for dominating the entire collection were a wheel of gold as large as a cart-wheel a wheel of silver equally large the twain worth in american money of to-day some two hundred and ninety thousand dollars and the helmet at which tutelilli had wandered filled with grains of gold fresh from the placers the object of this second embassy was clearly to bribe cortez into leaving the country for to his wish again earnestly expressed to visit montezuma many objections were courteously interposed the refusal indeed was soon made pointed and explicit for Tutlili having gone through the form of carrying to his lord the spanish leader's reiterated request came back after ten days bearing a quantity of robes feathers and gems as a gift to be carried by cortez personally to his own overlord the spanish king having thus felt out montezuma and his magnificence cortez saw his goal before him but could he reach it reach it he must if he would escape outlawry already he had broken with velasquez for at tabasco he had taken possession in the name of the king alone his position was like that of balboa after he had deported Enciso and had heard of the golden-shored pacific he must seize his opportunity he must do or die as a first step cortez resolved upon a new basis for his expedition the soldiers must become a spanish colony looking immediately to the king over this colony he himself must be chosen captain-general and justicia mayor as such he could found a settlement taking care by destroying his fleet to remove from his followers all temptation to resume relations with cuba and Velasquez. even so however the situation for cortez was fraught with difficulty assuming the successful establishment of direct relations with charles v successor to ferdinand on the spanish throne how about the indians what would be their attitude toward the appropriation of montezuma's wealth by the arrogant white strangers the white strangers from out the sunrise but just here a stroke of fortune across the sand dunes above the san juan de julia anchorage came one day soon after the departure of the last of the embassies from montezuma five indians they were not aztec but two of their number spoke nahua and by aid of marina and anguilar it was quickly learned that they were Totonacs, subject to montezuma and hating him with a deadly fear their principal settlement kempoala was a short distance inland to the north and here eager for a conference with the white chieftain waited their cacique into the hands of cortez was given a possible solution of his difficulty and he was not slow to perceive it cortez approached kempoala overland with four hundred men and two light guns while the fleet ascended the coast some ten leagues to a harbor called bernal discovered by francisco de at the anchorage opposite san juan de ulua the present vera cruz it was not only hot and damp but according to bernal diaz there were always there many mosquitoes both long-legged ones and small ones the way to quempuala wound through tropical forest filled with birds of startling plumage and dominated throughout by the snow-crowned peak of orizaba star mountain gleaming in majesty to the south and west as for the settlement itself it was the first great town the product of barbarism which the spaniards had seen from out a plaza rose towered temples on pyramidal foundations while the sides of the square were formed by terrace-roofed buildings of stone and adobe the whole brilliant with white stucco kempoala was dazzling but no less was it beautiful not only did it shine like silver of which some of the spaniards at first thought it to be constructed but its houses were embowered in green and against this green and the white walls beneath glowed the mass colors of tropical flowers roses in particular abounded as the spaniards entered and marched along they were met by deputations which showered roses upon the horsemen to cortez handed bouquets while others flung rose garlands about his neck or placed wreaths on his helmet the foot-soldiers too were remembered for to them were given pineapples cherries juicy zapotes and aromatic anonas the palace or official abode of the cacique was at length reached and though that personage was very sedate he was so corpulent and shook so when he walked that the spaniards could not be restrained from laughing at him hardly had cortez arrived in the campuolan district when proof of the dread which the overlord of julio or mexico inspired was dramatically revealed five of montezuma's tribute men appeared haughty and insolent was their mien and upon them the campuolans attended like slaves their shining hair says bernal diaz was gathered up as though tied on their heads and each one was smelling the roses that he carried and each had a crooked staff in his hand the meaning of the visit was that montezuma resented the fact that Campuala was entertaining the white strangers especially as by the last embassy sent to cortez it had been made plain that their presence in mexico was no longer desired expiation therefore was demanded and of the campuolan youth men and maids twenty must accompany the tribute men to yulua and yield their hearts upon the altar cortez's purpose in campuola was to cement an alliance with the Totonacs, yet to avoid as long as possible a break with the lord of yulua he secretly ordered the campuolans to throw montezuma's envoys into prison and to withhold tribute at the same time he ingratiated himself with montezuma by covertly liberating the prisoners and sending them to their lord with the tale of their deliverance at his hands montezuma therefore reopened relations with the spanish leader by sending a further embassy bearing presents upon this delegation cortez wrought with great effect by resorting to his never-failing dependence the horse verily to the mexicans the neck of the horse was clothed with thunder the glory of his nostrils was terrible he swallowed the ground with fierceness and rage and said among the trumpets ha ha having concluded an alliance with the totonacs Cortes founded in june fifteen hundred and nineteen in bernal harbor his projected settlement the town of villarica de la vera cruz and in july he sent to the king letters explanatory of the proceeding just prior to this in renewed fury of missionary zeal a fury which father Olmedo, priest of the army did his best somewhat to restrain he had thrown down the idols at campuala and cleansed the temples of blood his next acts were to scuttle and sink his ships to lash mutilate or hang various velasquez conspirators and to frighten away an expedition sent out by the governor of jamaica there now remained as the one sole objective of the spaniards in mexico montezuma and his gold. montezuma is lord of many kings his equal is not known in all the world in his house many lords serve barefooted with eyes cast down to the ground he has thirty thousand vassals in his empire each of whom has one hundred thousand fighting men each year twenty thousand persons are regularly sacrificed in his dominions some years fifty thousand montezuma dwells in the most beautiful the largest and the strongest city in the world a city built in the water possessing a noble palace and plaza one of the centre of one the centre of an immense traffic hither flock princes from all the earth bringing incalculable riches no lord however great is there who does not pay tribute and no one so poor is there who does not give at least the blood of his arm the cost of all is enormous for besides his household montezuma is constantly waging war and maintaining vast armies these words of the cacique echoed in the ears of cortez as on august thirty one fifteen hundred and nineteen he departed from the friendly totonac country on his way to pay that visit to montezuma which had been so persistently declined had it been columbus what more of confirmation would he have required that he was about to behold the city and court of the great khan as it was even the practical minded cortez felt himself impelled to write according to our judgment it is credible that there is everything in this country which existed in that from which solomon is said to have brought the gold for the temple end of chapter four part one